Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you here and all of you watching at home uh, today or at another time. It's good to be together wherever we're coming from or wherever we're sitting. Amen? Amen. Vision without mission is just a picture. That's a thought we're going to unpack a little bit um, this morning. It's so good to see all you kids out there. And parents, if you're half happy that they have toys and half annoyed, uh, you can be annoyed at me. Um, but we welcome the kids. We're glad that they got a little something to play with and keep them entertained. And listen, if they're making noise, it's all right. We don't mind. Uh, and if your kids are making noise at home, we're thrilled about that too, because this is a family church. Amen. So welcome to everybody. It's good to be regathered here. Um, what's so interesting is that over the course of the last number of months, I think we've come to realize how much God can do even when we're apart. Right? Like, it's great to be back, but God can do so much even when we're apart. And so we're thankful today um, that you're here. We're thankful that you're joining us at home. We're thankful wherever you are. And it's neat to see different things happening up here at the front. Debbie's on a laptop. You might be wondering, what is she doing? Homework? No, she's talking to people on YouTube. And I think Jordan's around hosting the folks on Facebook. And it's just great. We want you to feel welcome at home where you're watching. And we want you to feel welcome here today. So great to see you. We're going to read a little bit from Romans chapter 10 this morning. Uh, for our message, our text is Romans 10, verses 12 to 15. Romans 10, verses 12 to 15. It says this, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Will you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you that no matter where we are today, physically, you're with us. Here in this room, at home, in another time even, another place, you're there with us. And you're making your word, the Bible, the scriptures, Jesus, very real to us. And so this morning, as we take some time to hear what you're saying, and God, we pray that our hearts would be soft ground for your word to be sown into, that our ears would be attentive to what you're saying, God, not to what someone is saying, but to what you are saying to us. Uh, we just thank you that we can be together today, that we can lift up the name of Jesus and uh, Jesus, we just invite you to he be here through the power of your Holy Spirit today. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're so glad that you're here today. I'm thrilled about that. And uh, have you ever seen a picture of something or a place and then really wanted to go there? You know, maybe it's uh, someone's Instagram video, then you're on there and you see their vacation and you're like, oh, I want to go there and do that. And then immediately, you know, what do we do? We Google. What did we do before Google? I was reminiscing and demonstrating my age today. Does anybody remember web crawler? Anybody use web crawler? Yeah, look, some, one person. No, one person, Netscape. Who remembers Netscape? Yeah, I like the old people in the room up here, the two on the front row with me saying, <laughs> Netscape, all these different things. What did we do before Google? But when we see something, a place we wanna go, we're like, that looks cool. I'm gonna Google that, check it out. And if there's a way to get there, we start to research that, right? We see how much it costs to go, and then we start looking at travel options, and how do I get there? In this time and season of COVID, we haven't really been able to fly long distances or anything like that, so we've done a lot of local travel, so maybe you experienced that this summer, seeing where someone's going, I'm going to go to Cape Breton, and you check it out, right? 
What can we do there? Where can we go to eat? I think of Pastor Corey when I think of seeing pictures of places we want to go, restaurants. Amen, Brother Corey, right? That's the thing for him. But have you ever seen a place, a picture of a place that you want to go? Then we do all this research and we try to figure it out and then we try to get there. It's a lot of work. It takes a lot of planning, but it is all worth it once we arrive, right? Go through all that process and once we arrive, it's worth it. And you see, it's like that in our spiritual walk as well. We see a picture, hopefully, of where we want to go in the Lord, where he's calling us to, the individual call on in your life, the purpose for you, the purpose for us as a church. We see a vision of that, a picture of that, but it's a bit of a letdown if we don't get there. And so last week, we heard about uh, our, our re-envisioned vision here at Faith, not a departure from something, but re-envisioning, putting language around where God has called us to go. Pastor Glenn did a great job of talking about that and painting this wonderful picture of what it is that we see together as a faith community, where the Lord is calling us to, right? But if we don't ever get there, yeah, what a shame that would be. And so there's two sides to this idea of, of going to the place where the Lord is calling us to. A part of it is vision, and it's critically important, and it's important for our spiritual walk to know and to see where we're going. It's so important. In fact, it's talked about many times in the Bible. One of the places is uh, Ephesians 1.18, where Paul is writing to the Ephesians, and he's talking about the amazingness of God's plans for his people. He talks about the surpassing greatness of his glory. And then he talks about plans that he predestined us for that were set long before we were ever here. And he says this in verse 18, that I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that they would be enlightened to all that God has for you. Vision is so important. It's important for us as a church family. It's important for us as families. It's important for us as individuals. The call that God has on our life that we see that that we see where we're going, that we see it with the eyes of our heart. Critically important. And so last week, I, I want to re revisit our vision because it's just so good to talk about. And it says this, the vision for Faith City Church, our vision statement is that we see Faith City Church as a large, growing church of different nations, cultures, ages, and abilities, all united in Christ, finding hope and purpose in the gospel. Faith City Church is where the felt needs of our community can be met and a, a welcoming place for our community to meet and to experience the love of Christ. We see our city, our region, our nation experiencing God's presence through an inspired arts culture. We saw a little bit of that this morning, amen? It's so great to be back with the band and everybody worshiping together. And then at the center of it all, the center of all of that, we see people being transformed by the love and power of God through discipleship. I mean, that paints a wonderful picture of a church. I want to be a part of that church. I'd love to go to that church. I'm happy to be a part of that church, and we are going to get there. But that vision is just, it's far off a little bit. It's a little ways off. And so what mission is about is how we get there. We see it. We can see it in our hearts, in our minds. We feel the Spirit moving and hovering over that and calling us to it. But how do we go from here to there. That's what mission is about. Mission is the how. So what we begin to realize, maybe what you're beginning to realize this morning is that we can be inspired by visions, but if inspiration doesn't lead to activity and initiative and movement, 
then we're just going to be left with a picture. And we can hang that picture up on the wall. We can get the vision statement out there, which we're going to do out in the lobby. And then we'll just walk by it. And we'll walk by it. And we'll walk by it day after day, year after year. And we'll say, man, that's a good vision statement. Man, well, it looks good. I want to get there. But if we don't take the time to figure out how, then we're going to join countless other churches other individuals, because I'm talking to you today as individual believers, we're going to join all of them with that familiar graveyard of dreams and visions that go unfulfilled and a whole lot of regrets. That is not what the Lord wants for you today. It's not what he wants for me. It's not what he wants for our church. He wants us to accomplish the things he's called us to and to live in that fulfillment of accomplishing what he's called us to do. And this is where we pick things up with Paul this morning. Paul the Apostle in Romans 10. You see, we're living in the reality of the vision of Paul's life and his calling. If you read the story of Paul, and some of you are familiar with it, some of you might not be, a little bit of a recap was Paul was a terrorist. He hated the church. He hated everything to do with the church. He was a brilliant Jew. He was a Roman, had Roman citizenship. He was wealthy, well-educated. And he saw this movement, the way, the Christian way, as a threat to everything that he knew. And so he was determined to tear it down. Paul did some awful things. Saw Christians stoned and executed. He was so unrelenting. In the opening of Acts, it talks about how Paul had gone and asked for letters. And you've heard me talk about this before, uh, if you know me at all, and you've heard me teach about Paul a little bit. And he actually asked for letters where he could chain up and bound men and women. And it's interesting, that part of women, because see, in that time frame, you wouldn't have done that because if you take the women out of the home, the kids, what do they do? And he didn't care. That's how much he hated the church. He was destroying families, orphaning kids because he hated the church. And yet God, in his infinite wisdom, calls Paul to build the church. And so we pick up the story in Acts 9. Paul's knocked off his horse blinded for a season, and he encounters the call of God, comes to know Jesus, and then a prophetic word comes to him through a man who says that you are God's chosen instrument to bring his word beyond just the Israelites, but to the world. Not just to the insiders, but to the outsiders. Not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. He got a word. Maybe today you're sitting here in this room, or you're watching at home today, or tomorrow, or some other time, But God wants to speak to you this morning. There's been words over your life, prophetic words. You have dreams in your heart, but they've gone unfulfilled. Well, the Holy Spirit is wanting to talk to you today. And he's wanting to encourage you to lay hold of the mission to achieve the vision. We're living in the fullness of what Paul accomplished. In case you didn't know, Gentiles, we came to know God. We're grafted in. We're part of the household of faith. It's huge what he accomplished, but if he had just stopped with the vision, if he had just stopped with that word from Ananias, if you read it in Acts 9, if he had just stopped when he, when he ran into all the opposition that he did, and you can read about it all through Acts, all of Paul's missionary journeys, you can read about the opposition that he faced. If he had stopped, I wonder how the plans of God would have been fulfilled. And so we pick it up in Romans 10. There's an aspect of vision here, and there's an aspect of mission. So verses 12, uh, excuse me, verse 12 and 13 say this. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. 
for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's amazing visionary language, but we got to pause here just for a moment and acknowledge that this message is to who? All. Everyone. Regardless of color, regardless of nation, regardless of wealth, regardless of education and station in life, where you're from, what you do, this message is for you and me and all of us. And in this time frame and what we're seeing across our society, we need to be standing up and not be silent, but to say the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is inclusive. It is for everyone. It is for all of us. All of us. Every single one. There are no outsiders in the kingdom of God. We're all on the inside. We're all a part of what's going on. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. There's visionary language here. Are you getting a picture of the kingdom of God? If you read what Jesus said, right? Go to the Beatitudes and read about the kingdom of God. And he talks about how, the, how, how it's for the poor in spirit. He talks about how it's for the merciful he sort of turns the culture upside down, and all of a sudden you get this beautiful picture of this kingdom where everybody has a place. Everybody has a part to play. Everyone has purpose. It's visionary language, and we can see it. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's something that we can see, and then the how we get there. It's interesting, because Paul switches his language to how. He says this in verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they go or are sent? How? The rhetorical questions that Paul is asking here have to do with mission. That's what we want to focus on today, mission. Vision is the destination, it's the where. Mission is the way, it's the how, it's the, the map. If vision is the destination, mission is the map. It's how we get there. That was the case for Paul. And it's interesting, if you look through Acts, again, I'd encourage you this week to pull out your Bible and look through the book of Acts, read chapter nine, and then flip through the missionary journeys of Paul. Mission. Missionary journeys of Paul. He went on missions to accomplish the vision that God had laid uh, on his heart. How, though? It's interesting. Now, this is not theologically relevant, but don't tune me out. It's still good. Not theologically relevant, but if you take a look at this word, how, it's pretty easy to move that W and get to who. How. See, really, the how question there is really a who question. How is it going to happen? Who's going to do it? And often when there's a who question, particularly in the New Testament, it becomes a you question. The answer is you. The how is you and me. We. We're going to do it. We're going to go about this mission. You may not believe it today. You might be sitting there saying, well, I'll listen to you. But you know what? In the name of Jesus, I pray that this word penetrates your heart today and it chases you down all this week. Even if you don't want to be involved, God is calling you to be part of the who that's going to answer the how and take the gospel to our city. Amen. Come on, the Lord is calling us today to something great. The who becomes us. And as we chase the visions and dreams that God has placed in our hearts and lives, as individuals and as a church here at Faith City Church, he wants to help us. And so just a few points about mission today we want to touch on. Then we're going to worship some more together, which will be so good, and pray and just believe that the Lord will do something great in your life. First thing is this, visions and dreams inspire. 
but mission fulfills. Both are good. Both are necessary. So this isn't to say one is better than the other, but it's just to help our understanding as we go methodically. Last week, vision, Glenn talked about it this week. We're doing mission. Next week, we'll do an overview of values. Glenn will be preaching on that. And the reason we're doing that is to get, help you to understand the concepts. Like, why are these important to the life of the church? We're not just wanting to pull in, uh, you know, corporate language into the church and sanctify it and whatever. No, we just want to get our church from here to over there where God is calling us to. And vision is very much, as we heard last week, a part of the Bible. And this week, we're being reminded that mission is very much a part of the Bible. And next week, we'll come to understand that values help to form us spiritually. Visions and dreams inspire. It's important. But mission fulfills. It gets the job done. Mission is about movement. It's about uh, going beyond the movement of our emotions, but moving into action. Vision inspires us. It moves our heart. It gets us excited, which is so important. And mission gets us into moving and activity and getting something accomplished for God. This word fulfillment is is fascinating in the New Testament. Paul uses this word in Philippians. There's a really uh, verse that's often quoted and inspiring. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through... Come on, you're here in the room, shout it out. I can do all things through who? Christ. Who? Yeah, you see, now you got to come to church, right? And then I really annoy you and make you participate. If they're at home, they're just like, whatever. We'll do what we want. But here, you get pulled into the message. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? The few verses before that were quite interesting. Paul says in verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. If you want to follow along, it's Philippians 4. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound, which just means to be fruitful and lots of good things happening. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, of abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When you put it in that context, what you come to realize here, contentment, same word as fulfillment. There's a bit of a a, a double meaning happening here, which is I can be fulfilled in whatever station and season I am. I also can be fulfilled in the mission that God has called me to, no matter where that mission takes me. And again, if you go to Acts and if you read the letters of Paul, you'll see that there were lots of things that we would call highs and lows according to the systems of the world and success and these sorts of things. But thank God he doesn't measure us that way, amen? But the challenging thing is it's not always easy. Mission is hard. You see, while we have that picture of vision of where God wants us to go, and while we're talking about it and getting excited about it, it feels good. It feels great. But that will not bring a sense of fulfillment down here, deep inside. Until we see the people, like we're talking about in that vision statement, coming to know Christ. That's what it's all about, people coming to know that Jesus died for them and made a way for them to connect with God and live life in eternity. That's what it's all about. Unless we see that starting to happen, there's no sense of fulfillment. We can feel good for a moment, but it's mission that will fulfill us. The other aspect of that today is highs and lows, man. The gospel of Jesus sometimes has been used to peddle a good life that does not exist outside of God, does not exist out of his kingdom. 
It's not about finances. It's not about cars. It's not about things. It's about accomplishing the purposes and plans that God has laid out for your life. And that's what mission is all about. A sense of fulfillment. So vision inspires missions about fulfillment. Vision defines meaning. Mission is about methods. Vision defines meaning. Vision, excuse me, mission is about methods. There's a couple of great examples of this all through the Bible, actually many. The two that I want to mention today come to us from Hebrews, and it's about the same person, Moses. Hebrews 8 and Exodus 24 and 25. God had called Moses to lead the people, right, out of Egypt. You remember that story in the Bible? And then as he was in the wilderness with them, leading them to the promised land, eventually God asked him to build the tabernacle where the Lord could meet with the people. And he gave them a very specific plan, not just a vision, but he gave them a plan of how to do it. And then he said to Moses, build it according to the pattern. And the Spirit of God helped, and they built it according to the pattern. See, mission and methodology, there has to be a plan to make it happen. You can sit there with the vision and think about it, and God can drop all these things into your heart, but unless you're moved to activity and to methodology, to the doing, you're never going to get there. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. Amen? Part of the methodology for us to execute God's plans is the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. We heard it in the video. You will receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the opening of Acts. And then you'll be my witnesses all over the place. Cities, regions, nations, worlds. The Holy Spirit is our methodology. He'll come and whisper. He'll come drop creativity into your heart give you ideas of ways of doing things. Vision defines meaning. Mission is about methodology. We have to have plans and structures to get us to where the Lord is calling us to go. The thing about methodology and methods and planning and strategy is they take a measure of discipline and they bring about discipline the method's over there and the plan's over there and I never really engage it, well, then I, I've never become disciplined, right? I'm just over here doing my thing and the plan is over there. But until I pick up that plan and I say, okay, I'm going to work this through and actually execute that plan, once I come out on the other side of doing it, I've been disciplined. Some of you students know what I'm talking about. The syllabus for the course can stay there. But until you actually pick that up and you start working it, right? And you start studying and working through that, you have not been shaped by it. Same for us in the workplace. We get a new way of doing something and it can be over there and you can stick to your old way of doing it. But you know, eventually you got to pick that up and work it through. And when you come on to the other side of working it through, you've been changed. You've been disciplined. But as humans, we just don't, we don't love that word. It's understandable. We don't like it. We want to do things the way we've done them. When we get into methodology, when we get into the mission, that's where discipline comes into play. So sometimes we want to stop at vision because it feels good. It's over there. I don't, I don't have to do anything. I just look at that statement. I mean, that statement is amazing. And we can come to just find success and, and some sense of incorrect fulfillment there when God is calling us there and saying, we can get there if you'll just come along with me. But it takes discipline. Discipline comes to us by engaging in the mission, and the mission is discipleship. This brings us to the last point this morning that I want to comment on. The discipline of the mission is discipleship. The discipline of the mission 
is discipleship. Discipleship is the mission, and it is how the vision is going to be fulfilled. Jesus said this in Matthew 28. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end. Go therefore and make, come on, go therefore and make disciples. That's the mission, and that's how we fulfill the vision of this wonderful kingdom of God, where everybody is an insider, where everybody is a part. But if there is no discipleship, then that kingdom is not getting built. If there is no discipline, there is no discipleship. And FYI, you cannot make disciples without first being a disciple. It's lifelong. It takes the discipline of the Holy Spirit. It takes us moving through the mission and the methodology to constantly being more and more Christ-like and being changed and being just like him. Discipline. You know, when we look at the life of Paul, sometimes it's easy to skip over stories, you know, and just read them really quickly. And yeah, that's really awesome. That's amazing. Even like that scripture about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Clearly connected to the challenges in life. Discipline. I wonder about the discipline it took for Paul to sing in prison when Silas was sitting there with him. If you, if you pause and think about that story for just a minute, you do a little bit of research and see what people say about that historical time period, you come to understand that that jail that he was in, I mean, jail is uh, generous, a term to use. Really, a hole in the ground would be better described at a pit with all kinds of people, and um, historians will tell us that they would be set up sort of like in this uh, circular way so you could make your way down to the bottom, right? Prisoners all the way up. Little unseemly to talk about, moms and dads, but to relieve ourselves, you know, prisoners would do what they needed to do, and with the rain and everything, all of that would fall down to the bottom, and we're told that that's where Paul would have been kept in that story where him and Silas began to sing in the midnight hour. Oh, it's easy to talk about singing in the midnight hour. Well, what about the discipline of actually doing it? And what I think about when I see this in my mind's eye, and I just pause and I invite you to do that, just to think about the story. Paul and Silas, Silas being younger, joining him on this mission as an assistant. And they're in this place and they're trapped and the vision is over there. And right now it doesn't look like we're fulfilling much of anything, Paul. We're in jail and it stinks and it's awful. And I want to be home. I don't want to be here. And then the old guy, Paul, starts singing. I can tell you right now, if I had been there, my first response wouldn't have been good. Wouldn't have been kind. But Paul disciplined himself. And he knew that God would be faithful and he begins to sing. And sure enough, Silas begins to sing and something changes. And in that moment, I believe Silas experienced the discipline of discipleship, but it wouldn't have come about unless Paul was disciplined to sing. And then we know the miracle that happens. Life isn't easy. The mission is not easy, but we've got hope in the Lord. He will come through. So the mission is discipleship, and so appropriately, the, our mission statement is simply this. At Faith City Church, our mission is to holistically engage people with the gospel. 
equipping and empowering each other to live it out in our worlds. That is discipleship. It's who we are. It's what we do. At Faith City Church, our mission is to holistically engage people with the gospel, equipping one another, not equipping them, equipping one another. It's a lifelong journey, you and I, discipling one another and discipling others. That's the mission that we're called to. And if we will engage that with everything we have, we will get to that vision. We'll get to that place. Just like we saw in the video, we will arrive. Eventually, we will get there to where God is calling us to. And when we get there, then he'll tell us and give us something else to do. And then we'll get there and we'll get there. But we will do it through fulfilling a mission of discipleship that's bigger than ourselves. Vision without mission is just a picture. So as we begin to land this plane today, that's the church stuff, but I wanna to talk to the you and I, the who, for just a moment. Vision without mission is just a picture. Dreams and visions without discipleship become nightmares. They become painful. And today, today, you're all looking so nice there and at home, you're watching. And when we hear messages that kind of get to our hearts, sometimes we can put these little walls up because there's some pain associated with them. This morning, the Holy Spirit wants to touch your life. And he wants you to pull those dreams and visions off the shelf that have gathered dust or maybe are buried in the graveyard we talked about earlier. And though it's painful, he wants you to pull those out because today he's giving you the method to complete them. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. If you're wondering why you've got pain associated with some of these things and the things I thought I would do, the things that I'm called to, it's because those hopes have gone unfulfilled. But thank God, our hope isn't in visions, it's not in dreams, it's not in methods, it's not in missions, it's not in values. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. He is the rock upon which we stand. And he's the rock upon which God builds his church. And no matter how I feel, no matter what's going on, I can hope in him. Amen? Just in this moment, I want to invite you to stand. Just in an attitude of worship, maybe with your eyes closed, I just want you to think on those things that God has called you to. Maybe you've given up hope. Maybe you let go of some of those things. Maybe you've said, oh, it must have been for another time or season. Maybe you've questioned your abilities. Maybe you're questioning your situation. How can I do that? Or maybe it's been so long because of responsibilities and other things that you need to do that you've laid those things aside. But right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And he's saying to hope again. 